the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everyone. My name is Ian Simpkins, normally joined by Brian Fromm. This is the week of special guest host here on The Common Good. Welcome to The Common Good. As I mentioned, Brian Fromm is normally joining me here in the studio, but he is, I guess, in Mexico for something like an anniversary is what I'm told. But you can still find us all over the World Wide Web on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Plus, we are podcasted wherever it is you get podcasts. And uh, if you are a podcaster, somehow magically liking, subscribing and reviewing does actually help us out. So if you have, thank you so much. If you haven't. We ask you kindly, would you please? But, uh, gosh, I've been trying to get this next guest in the studio for almost the entirety of the show, to be honest. My good friend, Corey. How do you say your last name? Is it Shumate? Shumate. Shumate. Okay, great. My good friend, Corey Shumate. Good friend. Whose last name? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to pronounce. Ah, Welcome to the show, sir. Finally, at long last. Thank you, Ian. You're here, man. Okay, so when we have guests... Rather than like just reading a cold bio about you, mm. uh, I usually prefer to have guests just introduce themselves. So you can be as personal or professional as you want. How would you introduce yourself to the Common Good audience? Good. Okay. Well, um, my name is Corey Shoemate, and I uh, was born and raised in Salem, Oregon. Whoa. And uh, so I was a Pacific Northwest kid, and I uh, moved out here in 2008. To go to school at North Park University, fancy. The north side of Chicago, nice, not fancy, <laughs> and uh, but wonderful school. Loved my time there, and uh, so I studied Bible and communication there. Met my wife there, nice, and um, and then uh, like many, kind of stuck around this area after going to college. So mm-hmm. I, I uh, got a job at Christ Community Church, uh, which is a multi-site church here in the suburbs. Yeah, right out of right out of college. Actually, started before I even finished college. So, so there's a short overlap. Oh, I, I don't think driving, I knew driving that. out to the suburbs from the city. Holy cow! For a few months, yeah. So that was my first job out of college, and I'm still at Christ Community. So uh, here, here I am, and uh, Cash and I are about to celebrate a 10 year anniversary. Oh Just my book tickets gosh. to fly out to Oregon for that. Oh, and, you did? Yep, yep. Look at you, yep. man. And we've got two sons, Elon and Keller. So man, they, man. They're four and two. Mm-hmm. You're yep. living the dream. Yeah. All right, so you've, you've held actually a number of different positions at Christ Community. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell us a little bit about some of that journey. Yeah, so I, uh, when I started, I was uh, the 20s pastor. So I was a brand new ministry. Um, one of my professors at North Park uh, uh, said, hey, I think you'd be great for this new position. I'd mm-hmm. recommend you for it. And so um, they were still formulating the job description as I was applying. Oh, and no kidding. Yeah, yeah. They're like, we want this guy. He, he, well, <laughs> I, that's I, how I'm going to tell the story. <laughs> we'll make a Joel, job for him. Joel, Joel said, I think you'd be great. So, so, uh-huh. I, uh, so sure enough, I applied and uh, was carrying that position part-time, uh, young adult student 20s ministry, for three years while attending, uh, going to Trinity in Deerfield yeah. uh, to do my master's work. Okay. And so then I uh, graduated from Trinity. I uh, uh, went full-time, and then I had my first child all within like 
10 days. Oh my <laughs> so, God. So I uh, kept the twenties ministry thing and then uh, added on to that uh, singles ministry. Wow. And then, uh, over the years today, a smattering of, uh, of other things, tried some, my shot at like online community groups and uh-huh. mixed groups and right. but primarily did twenties uh, and singles ministry for a few years. And that was until uh, 2018. So last year, uh-huh. um, May, and uh, I guess it's 2020 now. So, yeah. so two years ago, Oh my almost, gosh. Uh, it became the Streamwood campus pastor. Uh, so we have four, four campuses and, I jumped into that role uh, in Streamwood, and that's our new home. So. And and I can say, j- just objectively and subjectively, you are a phenomenal pastor. If you're listening and you're anywhere near Streamwood, I can't encourage you enough to check them out. We actually also met at this young adults ministry, right? Yes, yes, we did. This is you're, you're meeting you is my favorite kind of kind <laughs> no. of yeah. So, so 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 leading this leading this young adult ministry, somebody said, hey, if you ever need a guest speaker for one of your, we, you know, we did monthly events for twenty somethings uh, oh, on a Friday goodness. night, and say, if you need a guest speaker, you know, got this guy Ian who's got all kinds of spare time. <laughs> <laughs> he never sleeps. <laughs> he never it's sleep, fine. Never sleeps. <laughs> uh, and, and so, sure enough, like uh, six months later, I had this need, and so I so I said, okay, I got looked at my list, and, and you're on this list, and so I so I did some vetting, um, and oh, no. and and. and just Googled Ian Simpkins, uh, Judson University Chapel podcast popped up, uh, clicked on some random message, and it was literally you getting up on stage and saying, I, uh, it came to last night, and, and I had nothing prepared, and so I got on the floor to pray, and I, f- I fell asleep on the floor and woke up this morning, and here I am. And I Thanks said, for telling the story, I, Yeah, right, way. right, yes. So I said, there's no way I'm ever bringing this guy <laughs> into lunatic, Yeah, right? and I watched you pull a sermon. Well, I don't know if, I don't know if you can call it a sermon. You you pulled something <laughs> worth listening to <laughs> out of thin air, and and I was like, okay, Boy. this guy can do that with with no prep. Then then uh, he's worth at least getting coffee with. So we got coffee, and that, that was like four or five years ago. And uh, this interview is not going the way that I anticipated <laughs> at, at all. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this though, and I'll probably do this a number of times throughout the hour. Um, actually, meeting you was a great joy, as evidenced by the fact that you and I still get together once a month just yeah, to man. connect and hang out. But seeing the way that you led young adults was so inspiring to mm-hmm. me. In fact, that was actually the that was the impetus for us to start meeting in general was I had all these young adult questions and then we, you know, I, you brought, you brought that notebook. You joke about this. You brought a notebook and you had a pen ready and we never, you never, never actually it. never nope. opened it. And, and after two times you just closed it and it has been shut since. That, so. is, a, that is a true story. Great. But, but you, there's just something about the way that you led and pastored people mm-hmm. that young adults, I think just responded to remarkably. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Cause I, I meet pastors all the time. They're like, we can't figure out, how to engage young people at all. It's like mm. the constant head scratcher of yeah. church planners and pastors the world over. Like yeah. how, how would you answer somebody that's like, what are you doing differently? Or what's the secret or what's the, what would you advise them to do? Mm. I don't, I definitely don't have a secret. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't have a silver bullet at all. <laughs> um, I, I was hired at 21 to pastor twenties ministry. And so I, hmm. I did <laughs> just a treasure trove of wisdom that I brought to the table. <laughs> life experience. Yeah, yeah, life experience. <laughs> right. Um, no, I, um, you know, we're we're in the suburbs. I can speak to our context. We got a lot of folks who grew up in some kind of Catholic background and uh, said, "Hey, I, I have done a church thing for a while. It, it didn't work for me." But then, by the time you get to your twenties, you've you know kind of gone, gone through college. Uh, maybe maybe a lot of experimentation in college, a lot right. of drifting, and then and then kind of uh, leaving college, maybe getting your first job, and then some of those questions begin to arise, especially for uh, young adults who are married. You know, the questions of how do we want to raise our kids and, and, right, and whatnot. Right. 
So um, I offered uh, my, my own my own journey, which is one of, of going from atheism to agnosticism to belief in Christ. So uh, offering an environment where people are free to question, p- people are free to, to uh, be in dialogue. So a uh, hmm. core part of ministry was was a conversation based, dialogue based uh, community groups. Yeah. Um, we also offered um, a place to serve uh, every month. So that was maybe a differentiator differentiator between our uh, monthly gathering versus maybe others is yep. we said, hey, no matter where you are, if you want to come back and give, come to a space where you can give back to the community, hmm. we're going to offer a, a place where you can serve single moms. You can serve, uh, you know, by providing meals, homeless, you know, whatever you, whatever you, uh, gift you have, bring right. it and right. we'll get, give you a space to uh, encounter Jesus, encounter a community that we think is in honest conversation with one another and, and to explore your gifts and to serve and give back. So that, that. kind of was the makeup of our ministry. Well, in every gathering too, at least for a while, had a serving component to every, it before every, even the every big single group. one, right? Did right. they? Every mm-hmm. single one? Yeah. Yeah. We grew into it and said, this is, this is something worth really leaning, leaning into. Like uh, what kinds of things would you do? You were packing backpacks and yes. making meals and yeah. So foster kids, backpacks, we pack, uh, 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 meals through um, Kids Against Hunger, which, yeah. which was a recommendation from you uh, That's right. locally here, which is like a Feed My Starving Children. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we'd pack meals for single moms. We'd give uh, uh, people an opportunity to pack those and take them to a single mom that they knew, some kind of incarnational ministry, things that. like that. Yeah, we did every single time we, we got together, we did something like that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's probably clear by now to all of our listeners why I'm excited to have you on for a full hour, because I honestly think that you're one of the best pastors that I know oh, with an you. incredible amount of wisdom. So uh, I hope that you'll stick around to hear a little bit more of Corey's story and uh, a little bit of what God has been doing in and through him in the past couple of years. That's all coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is normally here, but he's sipping Mai Tais on a beach somewhere. We haven't seen him. If you uh, know his whereabouts, please let us know. But uh, this whole week, we are joined in studio by some very special guests, some friends of mine, people that I just love and admire a uh, great deal. And Corey is no exception to that. Corey Shoemate, the campus pastor at the Streamwood location mm-hmm. of Christ Community Church in St. Charles. If you're anywhere near Streamwood, I can't encourage you enough to visit. Is there a website, by the way? What is the... CCCLife.org. CCCLife.org. I'm assuming that's like S-E-A, S-E-A. Like you guys are really into <laughs> yes. aquatics. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, no. Yep. The letters nope. CCC life <laughs> so dumb i can't believe they give me a microphone uh okay so we heard a little bit of your story and you like briefly touched on you know your previous atheism which mm. i think honestly just makes you a better pastor you've actually gone through you know sort of the um mm. the dark night of the soul mm. as it were and uh the last few years have been quite a journey for you. In fact, we often joke that um, the night before your firstborn was yes. born, we were actually at your house. Yes. And Kasha went into labor. You left and, and she went into labor <laughs> like four hours later. Yeah. So we take a little bit of credit for that. Like, yeah. oh, us leaving mm-hmm. was what... Uh, right. <laughs> induced her, I guess. For. Yes. <laughs> She's like such a good host. She's like, well, we can't do this yeah, now do this. while they're here. Yeah. <laughs> gotta wait till they leave. She was sweating. <laughs> Great, they're gone. Okay. But now, uh, with your second born, that's actually been quite a journey for you yeah. and your wife. And I'm wondering if you could just share with the audience a little bit of that story. Yes. So we've got two boys. Um, prior to prior to uh, having both boys, uh, we actually experienced two miscarriages. That's kind of a part of our story, too. So yeah. um, a little bit of a journey through that. And we had our uh, first son in 2015, and his name is Keller. And uh, he's a joy and uh, a, a delight. And he's, he's four years old. And uh, he has no filter at all. What he says, <laughs> it, he is he is my best buddy. He's great. Uh, and then in uh, October of 2017, we had our, our second uh, second child, 
and uh, his name's Elin. Mm-hmm. And a very normal uh, pregnancy, normal delivery, and uh, brought him home. Even it was spent less time in the hospital than than, than Keller even, and uh, pretty normal adjustments until about uh, a few months in, and uh, some some red flags started accumulating. So mm-hmm. he um, uh, wasn't making eye contact with us, wasn't really reaching and grabbing for things, mm-hmm. and um, uh, with the soft spot on his skull, we noticed, closed up. And so kind of the convergence of these things led to multiple doctors ordering an MRI. And so um, we went downtown Chicago in uh, February of, of 20, 2018. And I uh, got the MRI results and uh, it was just, it was kind of a turning point for yeah. us. Really, uh, really a devastating day um, as we looked at some I- imaging on the screen and realized that our, our son's brain was uh, of a fraction of the size that it should have been. Right. And so um, sat there and, and with the doctor, she, she said, I'm not sure what caused this, but, um, but your, your son um, has uh, an underformed brain that is causing a lot of different things. And so uh, functional blindness, maybe uh, everything except for some light, um, some, some level of hearing impairment, um, and uh, obviously m- pretty massive cognitive difficulties as well. Right. And, uh, and she diagnosed him with epilepsy uh, there on, on the spot. And, uh, and then he promptly had a, a seizure right there in front of the doctor, and she uh, sent us to go get an EEG. And we, we've been trying for months to get an EEG. She's like, I'm getting you in like 30 minutes, go. Wow. And so... I uh, remember sitting uh, an hour later uh, in the dark room with my son with 30 electrodes strapped to his head, you know, and I uh, felt like just a, a bomb had gone off in our life and uh, pretty classic, like you never think it's going to be your family right. and, until it is. And so uh, our journey with Elon has been one in which we've uh, had to be students of life in a whole new way. Right. And and your church really rallied around you. And I, I know this because we meet fairly regularly and, and there's been yeah. a, a number of great stories of people supporting and coming alongside. But I also imagine there's a lot that people just don't know about the journey. Like mm-hmm. you summarize what I know is mm-hmm. a very long, painful journey that has been yeah. a lot of tears, a lot of prayer, yeah. a lot of hope, but probably also a lot of hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me a little bit about what, what that journey has been like for you, maybe spiritually, maybe cognitively, maybe psychologically, even just between your wife and you? And like, mm-hmm. I imagine there are people listening that are thinking, yeah, I've I've dealt with that same kind of like you said. It felt like a bomb went off in our yeah. life. Yeah, like what what encouragement or hope or instruction or shepherding would you give to somebody that's maybe feeling in a similar place? Mm. Gosh, yeah, Elon, um, Elon. So two years in, you know, he's a little over two years old now, yeah. and um, uh, he, he, life with him is just very different on uh, on on many levels. Um, uh, one of the most heartbreaking things is from a dad is I, you know I've never made eye contact with my son. Right. He he, he right. can't see and. Um, he, he has some awareness that I'm in the room and, and, and whatever, but um, uh, just knowing that um, Cash and I are, are uh, big big fans of Hamilton and uh, the Cervantes family who are just you know, wrapping mm-hmm. up their time in Chicago and leaving. Um, uh, they also had, had a daughter who was profoundly disabled, struggled with epilepsy, and, right. um, and she just passed away recently. And, and he mm-hmm. put words to um, uh, something I, that has been an experience of ours, which is that he feels like his daughter is is kind of trapped in there and, and he can't get to her. Oh, and it's wow. one of the most, just one of the most agonizing you know, experiences of, of our whole life is feeling like our son is, is feet away uh, right. and, and we're holding him, but we, we just can't get to him. Wow. Um, and uh, that, that has honestly brought up a lot of questions about um, what life is and mm. what, <laughs> what does it look like to, to parent and, and shepherd and steward um, a child like Elon, right. uh, whose uh, s- ceiling of potential is so much lower than 
the rest of us. Right. And, um, you know, he spends hours a week in therapy, uh, physical therapy and vision therapy and hearing, hearing therapy, speech therapy. Uh, he had a m- multiple seizures when he was uh, about five months old, six months old that took away his ability to swallow. Uh, so he uh, was put on an NG tube and then later on a G tube. And so, uh, you know, he, he doesn't even eat normally. Um, right. so, so, right. so our life is kind of filled with this, this, uh, um, this enigma of what does it look like for Elon to, to flourish in, in this mm. life? And, and, um, I, and I'll be honest, uh, it, it, it sometimes is defeating to spend hours and hours in therapy to, to realize, oh, well, we don't see much change. To, to be honest, we, we look at videos from a year ago, 18 right. months ago even, and, and see that our six-month-old son is doing things that our two-year-old son right now, him two, you know, 18 months later, right, right. isn't able to do. So there's been some aggression in some areas. Mm. Um, and so we, we kind of have to it, it, sometimes just say, well, what's the point of all this? And, right. And as I reflect on that, uh, God has just been so faithful to, to reveal to, to me, like it's, it's so relative, you know, yeah. it's all relative. Like the, looking at Elon, he, um, uh, he is, uh, taught us so much about God's love and care for us right. because the reality is our, our ceiling for uh, potential is so very low as right, well. Right. And, and, uh, you know, we spend a lot of years in our own various forms of therapy and, and right. try to get better at something only to reach uh, a certain point and then, and then die. Yeah, <laughs> like that's, right. that's, that's reality. It's, it, mm. As I reflect on that, I said, man, um, and it takes something like believing that this little boy is endowed with the image of God and has inherent dignity and value and worth. That's um, so good. Beyond what he can contribute and, yeah. and give. Right, right. Um, to, to recognize that his life has, has value. So, wow. um, and, and as I reflect on that, it's, it's shown me a new dimension of God's uh, love and fatherly care for us. Right. As people who uh, he invests in, who have very low, you know, ceilings in this life at, yeah, at least right, and, and right. so uh, w- with the hope of with the hope of resurrection with the hope mm. of healing with the hope of um uh, living for something more i, th- I think that 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 has offered us a, a way of parenting elin that i i really honestly don't think we'd have hmm. apart from uh, our journey with with christ gosh that's there's so much wisdom in that and i imagine too maybe we'll get to this I imagine this journey has made you not only a better dad but a better pastor i mean mm. you even alluded to it i yeah. imagine the theological framework that you had three years ago, two years ago, looks very different maybe even than it does now. And I think that is sometimes the, the pain of growing, but yeah. certainly I wonder, maybe we'll talk about that coming up next sure. a little bit. Like how has this impacted you theologically, spiritually as a practitioner and specifically about a sermon that I heard you give that in a lot of ways included this story in sure. a really profound way that I think resonated with a lot of people. So we'll talk, we'll talk about that coming up next here on the common good with Corey Shoemate on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is normally here. He is in Mexico for the week for his 20-year anniversary. Wait, I don't actually know what day that is. It's sometime this week. Congratulations, you guys. You made it. Two decades. Anyway, this whole week, though, we're joined in the studio by some very special guests, just people that I love and admire. Honestly, when we choose guests, it's sort of like a list of just people that I like the most. <laughs> and Corey most certainly is very near the top of that specific list. Corey Shoemate is the campus pastor at the Streamlit location of Christ Community Church. You can learn more at cccLife.com. Org. org. I was going to say dot org. edu. No, mm-hmm. is that <laughs> dot gov? Right. <laughs> dot right. We're breaking all kinds of laws. Can you yeah. imagine if a church had a dot gov? Uh, yeah, that would be sure. a little, mm-hmm. little on the nose. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so you're a pastor, mm-hmm. you're a preacher, you're a thinker of thoughts and other things, <laughs> a lover of people. And uh, one of the topics that's actually been almost like a recurring theme on the show mm-hmm. is this topic of lament. Uh, I think that there's 
a sort of reawakening to the notion of lament that has sure. been lying dormant from like a lot of evangelicalism for a long way. And mm-hmm. you actually gave a sermon on lament mm-hmm. and sort of given even just what you were talking about last segment and some of your own experience. What would you, can you just unpack for us a little bit? What is lament? What was your sermon about? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think people might be surprised to learn about lament? What challenges would you give? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, the sermon I taught was uh, on a line by line through the Lord's prayer. So mm-hmm. the, the line that I was given is your kingdom come. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, your kingdom come as I, ref- as I reflected on it is, uh, um, a, a red- readily acknowledging that the world is not as it should be mm-hmm. and a simultaneous hope that it will be one day, not as, a, as it is now. Right. And, right. um, and, and the good news of permission Mm. Uh, I like to think of uh, the reason why when I became an atheist and, and uh, uh, or was an atheist, became a Christian was because I saw Christianity as an opportunity to be honest, oh, just, just devastatingly honest about uh, the brokenness of the world and the brokenness of your own heart hmm. while simultaneously having hope. And that was something I couldn't find elsewhere. No, you didn't, uh, and you didn't feel that in atheism at all. Uh, no, the, atheism <laughs> can give you a, 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 an honesty about right. the brokenness of the world, right. but, but then you get into the the Dawkins kind of the the, the hopeless, yeah. hopeless despair uh, sure. th- that a, a strict atheism would would produce. Hmm. Uh, and so I saw in in, in Jesus this this uh, honest honesty hmm. with hope, and hmm. that combination uh, was life changing for me. Wow. And so, uh, you know, we talked uh, last last segment about our son Elin, and, and that has given kind of a, a fresh uh, uh, opportunity for us to to be. You cannot run from brokenness when you have a son who can't can't see, can't hear, right, uh, will right. probably never talk or walk, um, and uh, you, you have to say if if I'm going to you know be healthy, I have to have some kind of outlet for uh, right. the, the the brokenness that, that I feel and the sadness that I feel. Um, and uh, and so our journey through lament has been to say we're going to lead, um, especially as pastors, you know, to, to, we're going to take this opportunity to lead um, through healthy spirituality uh, as we lead others to, to model that ourselves, to say we're hmm. going to be open about our journey and open about our struggles and, and yeah. to invite others into that. Um, and uh, we, we've just found that lament is a path to uh, to hope hmm. um, and lament is a cry out uh, to God as as. Uh, it's a prophetic cry yep. uh, to, to, to say this, this isn't how it should be. Yes. Right. right. And then it's a, it's a call for hope uh, that God is not going to abandon the world as it, as it is currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, ultimately we find that hope rooted in the resurrection. The cross and resurrection is the ultimate encapsulation of yes. um, uh, brokenness, finding, finding its uh, end yeah, in, in hope. Right. Um, right. And so our journey with Elon has been uh, one where, where resurrection is, you know, changes everything about our uh, journey wow. with a special needs kid, um, and and acknowledging that uh, we cannot put God in a box, you know, mm-hmm. um, as we cry out, uh, God calls us to, to cry out, "Your kingdom come," and um, right. and and to to say, God doesn't always act in the ways that we want Him to. Right. And as you look at Jesus and how He heals, um, it's it's really when when Elon was born and we started praying hard for healing, believing that God can and does um, right. heal um, miraculously uh, here, but always, doesn't always. Right. That was that's a really really tough tension. Probably one of the hardest tensions I wrestle with uh, as a human. I believe it is yeah. not <laughs> praying in faith and, and not losing, but also not um, trying to claim something that. God has not said is going to happen. Right. So right. man, that's a tough tension for, for us. Uh, and Jesus is just not predictable in the way that he, he heals. Sometimes uh, a woman grabs the edge right. of his garment and she's healed instantly, you know, and he, and he wasn't even like looking, wasn't at even her, looking right? after her. Yeah. And she, she was, it was her initiative. She, she reached mm. out and, and made it happen. Um, 
sometimes Jesus spits on mud and right. rubs it, and, you know, like, which is a deeply uh, intimate and personal thing. Uh-huh. Um, and, and sometimes it's, um, it's Jairus's daughter, uh, which is in the same story as that woman, right? right where he for- forsakes, you know, anybody who's in triage would, would tell you, uh-huh. you know, let the woman who's been leading for 12 years uh, be for just a minute and go rescue the woman who's the girl who's dying right and then right. come back and that's not how jesus does it no nope. uh and and the confusion uh, that that you can imagine would be uh in jairus's household during mm-hmm. during that time uh and then of course uh the, the journey through uh lazarus mm-hmm. <laughs> you know dying and mary and martha crying out right. uh, to jesus say hey our, lazarus is dying and then jesus <laughs> intentionally stays behind for yep. a couple days yep and, and in the meantime uh lazarus dies and then when jesus arrives you know some of the the words that come out of Mary and Martha, Martha's mouth, some of the most true and honest words uh, in scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you had been here, Jesus, right. Lazarus would not have died. Right. And so that, that's kind of a heart cry to, to like, God, if your kingdom was here, hmm. this, this wouldn't be, you know? Um, and, uh, and, and so to, to, to try to grapple with the mystery of God's healing hand and, yeah. and, and the, the, the healing ministry of the spirit um, to, to try to not put God in a box, but try to hold on to that. Man, that's that's so hard. Yeah, no <laughs> that's, a, that's a really hard thing. Um, but also a journey that has been so, so fruitful. Mm. Uh, as we've seen people uh, experience the goodness and grace of God in, in the midst of uh, what feels like hopelessness uh, right. and, and despair, uh, to, uh, to, to see that transformed into um, awaiting, awaiting hope uh, while having a fruitful acknowledgement of, of, of the brokenness of this world has, has been... It's a journey we're still on. Yeah, right. Um, That's remarkable. What, why do you think, though, that lament is so rare then? Like, mm-hmm. if what you just described is true, and I fully believe that it is, why does that seem so absent in so many of our, particularly our corporate expressions? Mm-hmm. I think it's uncomfortable. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's uncomfortable for a lot of people. Um, it, it's, um, uh, yeah, cause, because you're right. If you look, take, take a look at contemporary worship songs right they're very very few on on the men yeah um i think that it it is perceived as taking away from the goodness and promises and hope of god oh interesting yeah so 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 many of our um so many of our songs are about uh, uh looking forward to a future hope you, yeah. you know and and it's not you know and and that just takes takes away i think um some of the it, it removes an opportunity for for us to experience uh goodness in the midst of pain. Right. And, right. um, uh, and, and it takes away an honesty, uh, hmm. from, from our worship that I think repels, um, a, a lot of people, or at least makes people feel like I, I don't belong here. Right. Cause I don't have this happy faith. I don't know? feel what everyone else in the room not, is apparently yeah, not, feeling, not f- feeling, not feeling that. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it also just didn't sell well. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Get him, Corey. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's probably a little rough, but, um, no, I think you're right though. Yeah. And it's also, it's also, um, it's it, not everybody's on that same page. And so there's going right. to be a, a certain amount of deep, deep brokenness that's, that's right on the surface for a lot of people, but that, that, uh, not everybody's in that place. So I think as, as maybe pastors are trying to shape their worship sets and, and whatever around what, the temperature of the congregation, right. But, you know, you're going to, you're going to make people feel uh, uncomfortable, but I do think it's a necessary part of we, 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 you know, worship is, is a shaping thing, not just, it's just not reflective, but it's actually shaping. Ooh, that's good. And, and so it, to, to shape our songs, to, to pick songs, to think through how are we going to shape our, uh, uh, Sunday worship experiences in the g- gathered setting uh, is to think through not just where am I, um, but where where's my community? You right, know? Uh, right. Told if if one part of the body suffers, that yes. the whole body suffers. So there's kind of a, corp- a c- corporate um, or, or or body of Christ uh, uh, 
elevation uh, that happens yeah. when we when we lament with one another, um, e- even when we're not feeling it ourselves. You know, even when circumstances are um, are, are actually good for us yep. to, to be able to lament with our brothers and sisters who are not in that place. It's a really healthy thing. That's really yeah. good, man. See, this is why I think you're a phenomenal pastor. I think that's so wise, though, that for someone that's maybe like, well, I'm not lamenting, but there's a good right. chance that someone within the stone's throw of where I'm standing yeah. is. Yeah. So what does it look like for the body of Christ to still grieve, like you're saying, mm-hmm. even if you're maybe not particularly in that headspace? Yeah. Well, coming up next, I want to talk to you a little bit about what it looks like to stay put somewhere. As you mentioned at the very beginning of the show, this is the first job you got right Mm -hmm. out of college. You weren't even graduated yet. Right. And you've remained there. And I imagine through some twists and turns, some curveballs that you didn't see coming out. What does it look like to stay faithful, to put down roots in an age where it seems like everyone's jumping around every two to three years. That's (laughs) coming up next with Corey Shumate here on the common good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is normally here. He is south of the border enjoying his 20-year anniversary. We are excited for them. You can find us, though, if you'd like, on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com. On Twitter, at Common Good Talk, plus wherever it is you get your podcast. Some of you are listening to a podcast right now. If you would not mind uh, giving a little like, subscribe, and review, all of that stuff actually does Help us out somehow. Maybe hit that share button. Share it with a friend if this journey, if this story, this interview has been encouraging or hopeful at all. Uh, all of that stuff. We're still in the new show. really does help us out. And uh, speaking of all that technology stuff, Corey, are there places that you'd recommend people should go for other websites, resources, additional info, any of that? Yeah, I'm not uh, big in social media, but we do have, um, I mentioned our, our church website, cccleft.org, yeah. um, and you can... Uh, find a couple sermons that I've uh, done on that website. Uh, if you want to follow uh, our son and his story, yep. his, his journey, so uh, the Facebook page is called Elan's Story. His name is spelled E-L-A-N, uh, and our last name is Shoemate, so S-H-U-M-A-T-E. So if you type that in, then you should get where you need to go. Nice. And that, and you created that page for a specific reason, created right? that page uh, to uh, keep people up to date. Uh, you know, when you have uh, someone like Elon, people ask a lot about how he's doing. <laughs> right, um, right. And, you and, just go to the page. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing is just uh, to help people who may be um, scrambling in, because they're on their own journey and looking for some some thing to tether to, um, to, to hopefully have people stumble across that and say, oh, there's others who are going through something like me. So, Well, I can tell you with confidence, I have shared that page with others sure. for that specific reason. People sure. who are not yeah. in an, an identical situation, but certainly like, do you know anybody? Yeah. And I'll just send them the page. Yeah, so community, yeah. community in the midst of pain is an important thing. Absolutely. So that's par- partially what that's for. Well, so we'll, we'll have that link in the podcast description. Also, is on our Facebook page for all of you that want to, uh, to find that. But you mentioned at the very beginning of the show... You got this job before you even graduated college, yeah. and you're still there, mm-hmm. which is pretty uncommon. I heard recently someone said the, the shelf life for a campus pastor is one and a half years right. for a multi-site church right. in general. Right. You've been there now closing on eight? Eight years, yeah. So I'm curious a couple of things. One, why is longevity so important to you? Two, what have been kind of some of the twists and turns? And like three, maybe what challenges would you give to people kind of under that umbrella of yeah of putting down roots of longevity in the midst of change mm-hmm. and difficulty and all that. 
Yeah, so I'd say longevity is not an, something that comes natural to me. So oh, really? when I yeah when I when I wanted to go to college, I figured well uh, it was it was uh, right around two thousand eight, and I thought well the economy sucks, I'm not going to have money to travel after college, so this is my chance to get away. Right, right. And so it, it, initially it was like get up, go across the country to Chicago, to right. a place far, far away, experience something new, um, and then come back home. Yeah, then, no, no, no. I, oh, no. I, well, I don't. I didn't know. I think I was very open about what wherever the wind may that, take you, but, but wherever the wind may take me, I was very happy with being you know somebody who traveled. And um, over the course of uh, the next seven years, I think I moved six times. You know, no kidding. Yeah, in the Chicago area, but 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 also oh. very you know picking up and moving around a lot. Yeah. And uh, and then when I came out here, I uh, took this job, and it was a part time job, and I was in seminary, and that was a really difficult season. We had uh, one car for part of that too, and. Um, and we, I was uh, ministering in one town. I was living in another town and going to seminary in yet another town. Oh my goodness! And uh, we felt totally split uh, right. between between different worlds and uh, an inability or uh, even a lack of desire to put down roots because our thought was we may not be here in a couple of years anyway. Right. And I'm spending half of my time in, in seminary world, half my time in church world. I don't feel at home in either. Mm. And so let's just you know not worry about deep relationships. And right. It was, it, it took a long time for us to realize, but it was really toxic for us. And um, and uh, I then I got went full time at the church, but I still had this lingering. I had actually described this to you one time. I felt like my life was perforated on all sides. I mm. I felt like I could just tear away any, anything at any moment. Something would cause me to tear away and, and move. And right, um, right. And that's not a good place to be. So when I went full time, I, I had a little bit more stability, but carried some of those same mindsets over mm. into that season, and was still reluctant without knowing it to. to to deepen relationships. Interesting. Then I realized that, and I realized the um, uh, the fruitlessness of that kind of mindset, <laughs> yeah. and begin began to have some conversations with some people around me, and um, started being influenced by uh, Saint Benedict. And um, he, so, so the 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 um, monastics typically have three different rules. So they they are commitment committed to a chastity and poverty and obedience. Mm -hmm. And Benedict had a fourth rule, um, a, a vow of stability. Right. Right. And and I was like. This is interesting. And uh, he, he basically said, um, when you live in a place, don't move away easily. That's probably the best way to su summarize that. That's so good. There's good, good reasons to move. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And he was writing, you know, about <laughs> 400s, 500s. Like, imagine what he would say today right. in a world where it is uh, people move away every few years, a change mm -hmm. of jobs every seven years or so, I think, are the stats. Um, probably more so for, for millennials. And, um, it, accessibility, the ability to just get in your car and drive or hop on a plane tickets are so cheap. Right. Uh, the transitory nature of our world, totally. hyper mobility. Right. Um, and oftentimes uh, it, it's a symptom of, of a deeper heart issue. this is where Benedict has been super helpful. Uh, at one point in time, he says, be careful not to run um, from a temptation or a problem or, or a fear or conflict. Oh, that's good. Because um, uh, what you're running from is going to be uh, waiting for you when you get there. Right. It's, it's just, it's, it's going to be always one step ahead of you. Right. And, um, and so he, he talks about the real spiritual fruit of planting and the difficult work. But he says it's actually going to when you he, he calls it like a, um, a, a hen that that lays on its eggs. And mm. then before just before they hatch, before it comes time, they, they get up and leave those those chicks are never going to hatch. Right, and, and, right. and so you're not going to experience that fruit of, mm. you know, so, I, so I've learned this, what's called the power of stays in my mind. And, and the, yes, it's been hard. There's any church you're going to be a part of is going to be messy and have its things. And I actually totally. we really love a lot about our church, but, but it's got things that yeah. you, you always wonder. It's the greener grass syndrome, right? Uh -huh. I wonder what it'd be like elsewhere, you know? And right. um, so for us to have a uh, cash and I to have a commitment to being here and saying, we're going to go deep in these relationships. We're not going to, I'll be honest. We, we last night, 
we had a <laughs> big fight, Josh and I. Oh, no. And um, it was one of our bigger fights. And no I, I remember in, in, thinking in the middle of it, and we, we talked a- afterwards um, about this night. And I said this. I said, I don't know that I could fight with anybody else like that oh, that's and good. not leave the relationship. That's good. And, um, and I thought... And, and really because of marriage is a vow of stability, right? That, that's that's right. what that is. That's I'm exactly not going thinking. anywhere. That's so good. And quite frankly, you fight differently when you're married and you know, the other person isn't going to go anywhere right. than, than with a friend or, or whatever. And I, I, I don't know that I could fight like that with anybody else wow. and, and remain in the relationship, which is telling because yeah. we are to be committed to, to one another uh, as members of the body of Christ to say, I'm not just going to get up and leave when times get hard. Yes. That's a consumer culture. And so marriage has an really good insights into this kind of, a stability rule that Benedict has. That's such good wisdom, man. I'm, I'm curious. I have like seven more questions, but we don't have time for that. <laughs> like in the last minute that we have, what like hope or challenge or encouragement would you give to someone who's feeling like, man, I'm, I'm mid uproot. I've been feeling this mm. seven year itch or I'm, yeah. I'm ready to cut and run or whatever that is. Like what, what words of wisdom or pastoral insight or yeah. hope or challenge would you give them? I know uh, we've talked about this too over over dinner, but um, th- there's Jacob's wrestling with God, um, uh-huh. you know, and and when he wakes up and he says, "Surely the Lord is in this place," and I did not know it. Yes. and I would say to to people who are, and what's interesting is that didn't keep him from running. <laughs> he got right. up and moved the next the, the next day. He got up and left. Right. For those who are uh, feeling like, man, the grass is probably green on the other side. Things are hard right now, um, and, and and maybe if I just leave, things will get better. I need yeah. a fresh start. The, the, the reality is it's not going to be a fresh start. Right. Uh, the same stuff that's going to be in you that's going to cause brokenness. People right. are going to be broken where you're going. Right. And the reality is I, I would say the Lord is where you are, Ooh, even good. if you didn't even know it. And the Lord will continue to be. The Lord is not somewhere else. He's right there with you. And there's fruit to be had if you will just do the hard work of staying put. Come on. If I had a mic to drop, I would drop it right now. These are attached, unfortunately. But, of course, you may. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, man, for taking a whole hour to share with us, to just be your lovely self. I'm so grateful for you, for your friendship, for your leadership. Chicagoland is a better place because you're in it. And uh, I love you, your wife, and your family so much. I'm grateful for you, man. Thank you. You've been listening to The Common Good with the week of special guests all week long in Brian's absence. This has been The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. (laughs) 